What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 116 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown. Again, on a Monday, Sean and I are getting our shit together for the football season. So we jumped right in today. We talked a little Yankees, talked injuries, pitching, what we're going to see in the postseason looking ahead. After that, we went around baseball. We talked about all the divisions and the wild cards, what we think is going to happen. Following that, we talked about a very interesting article that Kevin Durant had in the Wall Street Journal. Wrapped it up with some pop culture and some NCAA football. Looked ahead to next week for some of the best matchups out there. So we will talk to you guys on Wednesday with our NFL Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, greatest website in the world, SorrySports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod. Alright guys, welcome back to the pod. It's sorry to interrupt here for a Monday rundown. Episode 116 is underway. As week two of the NFL is about to end, we'll do our uh, Wednesday NFL week two in a couple of days. But Monday rundown time, all else on the table. Tom, what's up, brother? How are you, man? How was your weekend? It was good. The Jets didn't play. No, they didn't. Unfortunately, I had to watch my team yesterday. and I sent Sammy my baby boy flowers. I was um, just going to say. Well soon. Yeah. You'll be alright. Now yeah, you didn't give him mono, did you? That wasn't that wasn't you. I don't have mono. Okay, no, that's good. Too. I got some other things going on, but it's not mono. It's not mono. That well, that's very encouraging, especially since I'm sitting across the table from you right now. Well, All we're right. not going to make out, are we? No, not my plan. But you're contagious as shit. Contagious? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. All right. We'll start off with the Yanks. We'll do a quick check on baseball. Run down a couple other things on the docket, and um, before we do our football on Wednesday, so. The Yanks finished their road trip at 6-4 and four between Boston, Detroit, and Toronto. CC came back. Batantis came back. Made a really good appearance yesterday. Montgomery made his first appearance back Tantis yesterday. Nasty. Yeah. So, a couple things before we talk about the revolving door that is Yankees injuries. Of course, when guys come back, that can only mean that guys have to go out of the lineup and That's get hurt it seems again. to be this year. It's just, it's really absolutely incredible. And CC had a good quote. He said, I just keep saying this is going to make for a great World Series DVD. So, he, obviously, he's felt that way all year. But we'll talk about this. The Yankees did a couple of really interesting things when they brought CC back and I think this is going to be a prelude to what they're going to do in the in the playoffs. I don't think that we're going to see a traditional starting rotation. I don't I, care. I like it. And I like it too. So CeCe started in Detroit on Thursday, his first game back. And the first three innings were scoreless. He struck out five. And then he started to run into trouble in the fourth inning where he gave up two runs and he started to get hit a little bit. And this is what we've seen from Sabathia this year. His first time through the lineup, we've talked about it on several occasions, dude. He's kind of the anti-Paxton hap. Now, those guys have been better as of late, but for a long stretch there, they were giving up runs in the first inning almost every start. CeCe's first time through the lineup, his first couple innings, the guy is really good. It's that second time through the lineup where he starts to either lose it or people pick up his pitches faster, and he starts getting hit. They piggyback Domingo Herman onto Sabathia's start, and he went two and two-thirds of shutout ball, which I thought was very interesting, and definitely that's their plan for Wednesday this week when they're going to start CC again and pitch Herman in that situation. 
I don't know if CC's guaranteed a playoff start. Definitely not in the first round. And if they advance, maybe he's a game four starter. But either way, it's giving them this another element of a multi-inning dominant pitcher who would start her stuff. We saw Green, um, the first game in that Detroit series, pitch two and a third. So they've stretched him back out now to be a long guy as well, where he was in 2017. Yesterday, he was the opener. He only pitched one inning. So he's now getting acclimated to both those roles. Where do you see, first of all, what were your opinions on the moves that they made in the starting pitching department this week? And and where do you see this going towards the end of the regular season here? I like them. I mean, they haven't had the strongest starting pitching throughout the year. You've already mentioned the struggles of Happ and Paxson and CC how he struggles after the first time around. This bullpen's loaded, and they have the ability to do that. Obviously, they have their back-inning guys locked in with Patances coming back. Obviously, Britton and then Chapman to finish it up. But everybody else, you can pretty much mix and match. And I really like that. I think that you're going to get some fresh arms out of the bullpen, and you're really going to stifle these hitters doing that. So I'm I'm all for it, to I be think completely it's- honest. I, I, wouldn't even be, I wouldn't even be upset in the in the first round of the playoffs in the division series if you went with a I mean I don't know what Severino is going to be doing but if you went Tanaka Paxton and then a mix and match in the third game I, I would honestly be more confident in that than running out Hap or something like that to be quite honest with you if you started a CC and then you had Herman just ready to go the second CC runs into even a little bit of trouble and then you have Green and then you have that bullpen in there to lock it up I'm actually feeling really confident in that. I think that's something that they might go to, man. I mean, I think that what's great about the Yankees now, and we started to see it in 17. Remember, that wild card game was highly debated as to whether Green should have been an opener, and that was before they really ever used an opener. And it kind of turned out to be that way because Severino didn't get out of the first. And remember, they went Green, Robertson, Kane, Lee, Chapman, and the rest was history from that game. But this is a creative team. This is an analytically driven front office. They know how their arms are going to be. They have all the data in front of them. And I think that using the last couple weeks here of the regular season to try a couple things out, Severino apparently is ready to be stretched out to 70, 75 pitches tomorrow. We'll see how far he goes, but there's no need to really push him. You know, if he gives you two or three innings of dominant baseball, but he throws a lot of pitches, that's really all you need with the rest of the with the rest of the options that you have out there. Absolutely. You mentioned matchups; it makes a lot of sense. So, we saw Montgomery come back. I don't know if he'll be a factor in the playoffs, but either way, it was good to see him get back out there. I didn't think we were going to see him this year, and he, you know, you go throw to Rusty, but it was good to see him back out there. You count on him for 2020, as expected. Yeah, for sure. So, of course, you get CC back. You get Batances back. You get Montgomery back. Sevy starting tomorrow. And a couple more injuries happen. And Carnacion, after hitting a bomb, suffers a little bit of an oblique pull. And I checked uh, Yankee News prior to getting on the air with you here. And he said that he feels better every day and is expected. he's expecting to come back before the regular season ends. So maybe get a couple more games under his belt and not lose too much time. Sanchez, strained groin. Same degree as it was back in late July, early August when he missed 16 games. 
I, uh, it's just been a recurring pattern with him over the last two years. I hope we have him back for if they make it past the first round. I'd I, be happy with that. Yeah, I, I'd still like him back if he misses game one or something. You got to get that bat in the lineup. Bromine's very, very I like competent. Bromine, though. I mean, of course you do. He's Listen, he's great catcher, but yeah, he, I feel comfortable again with him behind the dish. I feel very comfortable with him behind the dish, and even he's at the a plate, clutch hitter, he is. He and he puts the bat on the ball, but he's not Gary Sanchez. So hopefully, the Yankees get Sanchez back. It's going to be very interesting. I know that they have had this division on wrap here, and it's all but official. Their magic number is three, which they'll easily get by the end of the week. And then you're you're just looking at who's going to get home field advantage throughout the American League playoffs. Is it going to be them or Houston? And I think the Yankees really want it. I want to get your opinion on this. Oh, yeah. I think the Yankees really want it, but it's been pretty evident in the last week or so that they're not going to kill themselves to do it. What they start a game in Detroit last week where it went Cortez, Sessa, you know, like guys like that. Like they're not going to wear out still, their team. You can still win in Detroit with those guys. I think if you played a better team, they might have run the A team out there. Yeah, I think they're trying to run the A team out there as much as they can, but they're not going to try to kill themselves for it. Of course it. not. And I think. I, they're playing everything right, I, right I now. want home, everything I, I want them to get home field. Obviously, that's a huge, huge advantage, more so for them in Houston than any other teams, I feel like, because Houston down there and Minute Maid is not an easy team to beat. And, of course, the Yankees in the Bronx, I mean, that series two years ago, the home team never lost a game. So it's imperative the Yankees get home field, but I certainly don't want them to run risk of injuring more guys. We've seen how this year has gone. I don't want them to run the risk of, you know, going all out to get home field and and possibly overusing guys. That doesn't seem like that's the way this team is going. But, you know, you see a game like yesterday. Green opens, Montgomery comes in, but Tansis only goes two-thirds of an inning. You see them bring in a couple of other guys, even when the game was close. Um, it's prob- it, it, it makes sense. They're, they're going to say, hey, listen, if we can win with games like this and the formula we have, that's a bonus. But what's really the mission and you know a game like yesterday is exactly stay healthy and don't burn guys out so what are you looking forward to from severino tomorrow what do you what do you expect from him in his first start of 2019 expectations is four innings i would hope for five but that would really mean that he's dominating i just want to see him spot his pitches period i know the velo is going to be there but I just don't want to see him leaving off-speed pitches over the plate and fastballs being a little wild because when he's at his best, he's spotting it. When he's at his worst, the stuff's still there. It just tends to leak out over the plate, and then he starts giving up the long ball, and things just really start to snowball for him. I just want to see him be precise, and I'd like to see him go four innings. I think that's a really good expectation. I think that that would... That would be very encouraging. Now, if I don't watch the game tomorrow and I look at the box score and he went five, I could already tell you he dominated in I'll, some form or fashion. Yes. Oh, for sure. If he goes five, because that means, especially if his pitch count is at 70, 75, that means that he he was also super efficient. I'm going to be watching the whole game because I want to see what his stuff looks like. You know, a box score can tell you a lot, but I want to see what his location is. Is he being able to finish guys off? Are guys looking uncomfortable in the play, at the plate? I expect him to be a little rusty. I mean, it's his first start. I just, like you said, I want to see the first half of Severino last year, not the second half. And the first, and 
there was no difference in stuff between uh, first and was, second half. He was just tired, and when pitchers like that get tired, the velo's still there. It's just the mechanics get fucked up, and then he starts leaking shit over the plate, and people start taking him deep. Now, do you? What do you think? He gets two starts, including tomorrow before the playoffs. I mapped it out earlier. I think he'll get three. So the way that they go is they have uh, six straight games on this homestand to close out their regular season home game. So they have three against Anaheim. Unfortunately, Trout will not be playing his season-ending foot surgery, and you know it makes sense to get it out of the way now. But it always sucks when you know you want you want to see the best player in baseball play. Um, he won't be in this series. So the Yankees have three against the Angels, and then the Blue Jays come in for three. So you have six games in a row. If he starts Tuesday, you're looking at him probably starting Sunday as well. And then to finish up, you have Monday off next week, two in Tampa, Thursday off, and then wrap up with three in Arlington. So you could probably get him three more starts, counting tomorrow, um, and just get his pitch count built up because I think – the only two certainties as far as starting pitching is concerned right now are Tanaka and Paxton. Yep. Paxton's won nine consecutive games. Tanaka, you still trust in a big game. Is um, Jay Happ going to make this roster? That's a good question. I don't know. I would still like him on a roster as a, as a long man, but, you know, you think about this team. If he's a long man in a game, that probably means the game got way out of hand, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to – it's not like the days of Musina coming in for Clemens or something like you're that. You've got, you've got the arms yeah, to you're not make this game deep. In a high leverage situation. You've that, got plenty of guys out of the pen to do that. Yeah, that's why, I mean – I, I can't Let's say hope it. the game, if he does pitch, gets out of hand. I think, him and, I think him and CC will be the deciding factor for round one. And then if they get past round one, you could maybe put them both on there. But I'm going to say right now, no. I'm going to say Jay Happ right now is not on the postseason roster. Okay. Maybe he'll get two more starts probably to finish up. I saw coming he, back next year anyway. Yeah, so. I saw him pitching. He's pitching Thursday, so then maybe that gives him one of the starts in Tampa, or you know the Friday or Saturday start in Arlington next week. So that's kind of where we're looking at there. Stanton also due back this week for me. My only expectations, or you know, my hope for him is just get your timing right. I would hit him first or second in the line, especially if they clinch uh, the AL East quickly. Home field is great, but hit him first or second in the lineup. I know that sounds crazy, but just get this guy as many at-bats as you can because unlike Encarnacion or Sanchez, if they come back, you know they're not that far removed from playing regularly. Stanton has only seen live pitching a couple of times this entire season on the major league level. So I want to see him play left field, look sturdy, get him out of the game by the 6th or 7th where you can put Mabin out there and just get this guy as many bats as you can. Maybe DH him and compromise a, a Voight day or Norshella day. You just got to get this guy right because with the outfield situation the way it is now, Hicks looks like he's done for the year. Talkman is done for the year. Gardner's your everyday center fielder, which means your last line of defense really is going to be John Carlos Stanton because if he's not out there, that means that either Mabin or Clint Frazier is, and you know that's not what the Yankees want to do starting playoff games. No, not at all. All right, so we're looking Although forward Clint's to that. my guy. I know he is, but he's he's not ready. He's not ready at all. And uh, I think that their worst nightmare is Clint having to play left field in the playoff game. Get Stanton out there and then get him out of the game when, when you have a lead and preserve that knee. And you also DH him a lot, and that just means that, you know, Voight might be a casualty. Or Urshela. He's going to make the roster, though. Oh, yeah. Voight or Urshela could be a casualty if Stanton's not playing left Me, field. They'll both make the roster, though. Yeah, but they won't what be starting. they yep. won't start. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on and go around the league a little bit here. So, AL wild card. 
Oakland now has a game and a half lead on Tampa for the first wild card, and then Tampa has a one and a half game lead on Cleveland for the second. Coming down the stretch run, I know we talked about it last week. Have your predictions changed at all? I said I still think Cleveland gets in, but they had a rough weekend against Minnesota this week. Um, I guess I'll go back on it, and I'll say the two teams that are here are going to stay here. They both look pretty good. I would, You know what? I'm still not ready to bury them because they're Tito Francona's team, but it looks rough right now. And But Tampa... Tampa's going to have a lot to say about that. Oakland seems like they are the best of those three right now, though. And the and the divisions, obviously, are all locked up pretty much. Yeah, the divisions are done. In mm-hmm. the National League, Atlanta clinched the East. St. Louis leads the Cubs by two in the National League. That's only – that's really close. That was not that close last time we talked. It was four and a half, I believe, last yeah. Monday. So they made some uh, moves. I'm they had a rough weekend against Louis. Milwaukee. Rizzo's out as well as bias. Yeah. No, that's that's tough. And But Milwaukee just had a nice weekend. Braun had a big home run yesterday in St. Louis. They're down only by three Yellow games. Yellow's done for the year. Well, we talked about that last week. That was That's bad. And maybe they can rally around him. Like, I, I, it sounds stupid. You lose your best player, but... That could be a rallying cry for this See, team. This team's still got a lot of talent, but I think St. Louis is going to pull this one out. Obviously, the East and the West are all, but they're totally wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the wild card, I think, um, I think, who is it left? The Cubs? Nats, Cubs, and Brewers, man. And the Mets, I mean, last night was tough to watch. They're done. Yeah. Four well, games out. They're done. You got, especially because of the fact that last night Lugo blows a save, and now he can't pitch for two days. So... If they weren't done last night, they're done now because they gave it up and and Lugo can't pitch for a while and I don't know who, who else do they have out there. Well, it's Philly's sad. Philly's done too. Yeah, they they just had a tough weekend against the Red Sox, so not good. Um, and Harper's having a pretty good year too. He had a good year, but it wasn't the expectations. No, that they had. he's and, not playing at you know, MVP he's level. He's not. There was a there was uh, an article in the Athletic by Joel Sherman who who wrote about how. Now, the at-bats are not even. Both Machado and Harper have, like, well over 100 more at-bats than Urshela. But they said, per at-bat, Gio Urshela has been more productive at the plate than both Harper and Machado. Well, I guess Cashman made the right decision. And that's it. It's like, you know, oh, fucking LeMayhew, really? When Machado's still out there? Oh, who's this Gio Urshela kid? God, this team sucks. To Mike Talkman, come on. It just goes to show, not always the sexiest of moves wins you games. The Padres and the the Padres were expected to be out of it, and I still think they have a bright future. But the Phillies to not even be in in wild card contention as the season's wrapping up is really really rough. And he got ejected from the game the other day for arguing balls and strikes, and that's what some of the national fans said. They were like, you know, this guy we love him because he's like made our franchise relevant, and he's a tremendous talent and tremendous player, but. He does these kind of things that just drive you nuts. I mean, how can you get ejected for arguing balls and strikes in a game your team has to win? You have to be out there. Remember, Arietta called him out earlier in the season for that same thing. They were in a they were in a stretch of games and they were in extras, I believe, and he got tossed. And Arietta, as a leader of that team, said, "You know, you can't have that." And Harper apologized, but clearly he hadn't learned his lesson. No, but you know what? The team that's got the most talent in Major League Baseball, I think, is is the Dodgers. Oh, I don't think there's question. I mean, look at these guys They might not finish up. with the best record, but yeah, because well, that's no, the thing. Just look at the guys coming up. I mean, May, who I believe, is he the one who pitched last night? Mm-hmm. 
He's nasty with the long hair. You got the shortstop coming up, not to mention Bellinger and Peterson. Yeah, the nucleus that's already there. Yeah, no, that team has players to come still. They're going to have a couple of guys when we do our baseball preview in March of next year where we're like, here's two Rookie of the Year candidates already. Yeah, they're all going to be killing each other for it. It's crazy, man. So, National League wildcard. Nats have it right now on the, as the first team. The Cubs are right there, and the Brewers are only one game behind the Cubs. I think the Brewers might catch the Cubs, to be honest with you, because the Cubs already lost Baez. Obviously, we said that. And they just lost Rizzo. That's your two probably best players aside from Bryant. Yeah. I mean, they just kicked the shit out of Pittsburgh this weekend, but we're going to see. As they should. As they should. But that was impressive. I'm very interested to see how this plays out because this isn't just for the wild card. This is the NL Central. I mean, as we talked about, St. Louis only leads by I think the St. Cubs Louis by two. Holds on. And maybe that's wishful thinking because I picked them to win the division at the beginning of the year, but. I think they have some good pitching out there, and they have enough bats to stick it out. This is what you want to see, though. This is pennant race baseball. In the American League wild card, I mean, it's not as tight, but it's tight. And in the NL, it's just totally up for grabs. A lot of fun. 11 games left. And we say it every time for the last two years that we've had this podcast. Good job by the MLB ad in that second wild card. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is the seventh year of it now. Six years of it now. It feels it's, like last week. I man. know, but it's so it's it's brilliant, and it really makes for great. It really makes for great TV, and and fans of teams that are just you're in it so much longer. I mean, the well, Mets yeah. the Mets really just got eliminated. Well, that the, the game in general is a hell of a lot of fun, obviously. Yeah. Because each team's just putting it all on the line, and then the leading up to it is so much fun, and too. And a lot of head-to-head games, especially in that NL, because it's deciding the division and also two of the wild cards, Absolutely. maybe. So, all right. We're going to shift gears and talk about something that is not on the field of play, at least as of not right now. Talk a little NBA. We're going to talk a little NBA, and there was... A well-documented Wall Street Journal magazine interview done with Kevin Durant in his uh, in his home in L.A. And he said some very interesting things in this interview. And it didn't really have a lot to do with the Nets. There was a segment there where he was talking about his decision and said, you know, when the couple of offers were presented to him by his uh, agent, Rich Kleinman, when they were just sitting down for lunch in New oh, York. Oh, Max offer. He was, the same yeah, money, he was literally like, it's, it's Brooklyn. And I think it's so funny because in 2016, remember he had that well-documented, uh, like everybody was coming and court him at his place in the Hamptons or where he was Celtics renting in the Hamptons. Celtics were going to get him. And Brady showed up. Ortiz showed yeah. up. And now he literally made his decision in like a cafe yeah. in New York City. Well, some, you grow up a little bit. Yeah, I think so. So speaking of this, he said some very interesting things that I think are- That's how I hired you. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a very good point. Look at that. Out of Starbucks. That's true. We were I mean, sitting we down. already knew each other, but I hired you. Yeah, very nice. It was a good idea, and look where we're at. So, a couple of the interesting things that I think we should discuss. The first thing that he mentioned was his relationship that became pretty fractured pretty quickly with Oklahoma City, and not just the organization, but the fan base as well. So, you remember the cupcake game, his first game back with the Warriors, and he said he was never returned back to Oklahoma City. He said he thought he could, you know, return one day and have a legacy and be a prominent member of the community. He had a lot of charitable organizations there, and he he had moved his mom there. I mean, everything was that was like a home. And he had mentioned that after he made the decision to go to Golden State, 
that the way, the backlash from the fan base of burning his jersey, he uh, mentioned one case of somebody shooting bullets through his jersey, which when you think about it, it's basically like, here's your name and I want to you know, shoot you up. I'm so mad about you going to another team. He was saying like, I can't, I, I just can't go back. And he's like, you know, when I return there, you know, none of the, none of the people that worked at the arena or employees or staff or, or executives ever said anything to me. They basically treated me like I was a piece of shit. And he's like, why? Cause I went to, I decided to make a decision to go play basketball somewhere else. Like this is how you guys are treating me. He's like, no, I'm never going back there. What did you think about that component of the interview? I mean, the fans are the fans. I get it. They went a little over the top, but they did the same thing to LeBron when he left and, and all the other players that leave. I mean, he lived there and grew up there for, I think it was like 10 years. And for the, for the employees and all that stuff to treat him like garbage. I mean, that's like somebody that worked at your Ike's company for 10 years and then moved on to a better job and you treat them like shit because they left. No, you, they were your teammate and your whatever, your coworker for 10 years. And if you had a relationship with him, you treat it as is. You don't have to be a scumbag to the guy. No, and that's kind of where he was getting at. He and had, it's not like he kicked him in the balls on the way out. He didn't no. say nothing. He didn't say anything bad about him. Not a single thing. He 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 was really upset about. He he expected the backlash, and he said, "Listen, that's fine. They're gonna boo me. It's they're upset I left, and that's fine." But to treat for the everybody in the organization to treat me that way. That's more that's more disappointing than the fans cuz fans, I mean we talked about it with booing Andrew Luck and going back all this shit. I mean fans are fans. I'm not I Katie's got to move on from that, get over it, but the uh the workers and shit like that, the employees of the Thunder, that's that's just fucked. Yeah, totally agree. And that that was very candid. He was he was very emotional about that. Um at least I felt that way when I was reading the interview. The next part was his decision to leave Golden State. And he said that he felt very accepted by the team and and he quickly nixed any idea that, you know, him and Draymond's fight in that Clipper game had anything to do with it. He's like, "Listen, no. Like we had a disagreement, but he loved me, I loved him and, you know, there that was just what happened sometimes on the floor." It was never the players that created that environment of, you know, KD we wrote down here KD and the Warriors or this will always be Steph's team. Just, you know, being a guy on the outside looking in, it always felt like he was part of the team. They're the ones who courted him. They started courting him during the finals. I mean, they always wanted him there. It, it wasn't the team that did it. It was just the, the organization and the and the fans and the environment around him. Oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, it was kind of good to hear him say that because we can speculate and we hear so much, you know, third, fourth, fifth party noise about how he really felt there. I mean, there was that, you know, not report, but there was those rumblings about how he was really upset with the way that they handled his injury. And in this interview, he said, not at all. He said it in an SI interview earlier in the summer too. He's like, no, like that was my decision to play. I was going to play game five. I was, it was the NBA finals. We needed that game. Um, and the players, th- you could just tell with the players. I mean, by all accounts, everybody says Clay's the best teammate in the world. Steph Curry's the man. He seems like the coolest dude on the planet. Mm-hmm. He does that cool golf show with Rob Riggle. I don't know if you watch it. I it's, haven't watched it. It's it's stupid, but it's very funny. And, and Steph's really good at it. So it's just a lot of fun, and he's just an awesome guy. I was never the teammates, in my opinion. No, and it wasn't, he said, you know, the coaching staff and... and um, or the coaches. Yeah, it seemed like the organization really, really loved him. But he had mentioned, you know, 
it always felt like the narrative was about, oh, it's the Warriors and Kevin Durant or Kevin Durant and the Warriors. And it was never, we even remember that interview where I think it was during the first round or second round of the playoffs where he was saying, you know, yeah, you, you guys just want it to be that we're not together. You know, you're, you're saying it's always Kevin and the Warriors and Warriors and, and Kevin. And he was, you know, he's like, I feel like it's, I'm part of the team, but apparently you guys don't. And he, you know, got testy with the media as he, as he did a lot this year. I wasn't really surprised by that, but I thought it was cool to hear him talk about it. Um, but I think the most important thing that I got from this article reading it was the depths at which he talked about mental health and the line that he used a lot was sometimes I really hate being in the NBA referring to the politics of it uh the demand on players by GMs owners media and the fans he really and we've known this I mean it was as simple as him deciding to go to Golden State in the first place he just wants to play basketball he is so driven and he in this interview that was the other thing I took from it he is so driven to be the best basketball player of all time like his rehab he's going absolutely crazy because he believes that he is the best basketball player of all time and but he wants to he wants to play and have fun and he doesn't like dealing with a lot of this shit that goes with being an NBA superstar and from the media perspective and people who are on the outside looking in it's so easy to be like wow what a spoiled little brat what a guy you know you make all this money you're super famous but that's not what Kevin really is he's an introvert he's kind of a weird guy he has a lot of anxieties. He has a lot of insecurities like any young adult has. He's in his 30s now. But it's like, you know, we've talked about this a couple times on the pod. You and I can have whatever we feel like are social anxieties or insecurities with ourselves, but nobody's watching every single thing we say. Nobody's watching every little move we make because we impact not nearly anywhere close to what Kevin Durant does. But here's the thing, man. That's what you sign up for when you want to play basketball. He could have stayed four years at Texas, gotten his business degree, and become a businessman. We did the same thing. But he doesn't love business. He likes it a lot. He's interested, but basketball is the avenue for him to get into business. I was just using that as an example. Doctor, you name it. Because here's the thing. You know what you're signing up for. When me and you started this podcast, maybe some of our friends would make fun of us for it. But I don't care what other people think, and I knew what I was signing up for, and I knew I was going to take that if I fuck up somebody's name on the podcast or something or another. I forget that the LA Chargers or the former San Diego Chargers are now the LA Chargers, and somebody, my friend will make fun of me on the podcast, whatever. I'm not going to get butthurt over it because... That's what I sign up for. I put this shit out there and anybody in the world can listen to it. And, and it's the same thing in the NBA. I get it. You just want to hoop, bro. But at the same time, that's just what comes with it. And I agree with him. Everybody else needs to get their mental health in check too. It's not just the NBA players. I think that there should be, obviously with the Donald Sterling thing going on with the Panthers owner, there should probably be a bigger spotlight on the ownership and some of the jerk coaches and whatever. But you, you signed up for this. Oh, yeah. No, and I think that, you know, he recognizes that. He knows what he signed up for, but it's okay to still hate it. No, of course. And I, and, of course. and when people hear him complain, it wasn't... I didn't take from it that it was a complaint. I think it was just an observation. He's a very forward-thinking, very thoughtful guy. 
he thinks about things in the big picture. He thinks about everything that he's doing. And sometimes that can be a deterrent for his happiness because he's he's too involved. He's too worried about what you know, how a public perception could be. And I and he he basically admitted he didn't think him going to Golden State was going to cause that big of a firestorm. He expected people to not like it, but he thought it was going to be more because he left Oklahoma City, a team that was on the verge of an NBA Finals appearance, not because he went to Golden State. And I think in a, four years later, three years later, he knows that that was probably ignorant. But getting to the mental health aspect of it too, we see this in sports. We talk about sports. We do a sports podcast. We just talk about baseball, football. We talk about these athletes at nauseum and try to get into their psyche and try to dissect and analyze every single thing that they do and say and mannerisms and what have you. Oh, he's got composure. Oh, he doesn't. Oh, he's scared of the big moment. No, he doesn't. Battle tested. No, he's not. You know, and Durant's basically saying, listen, that's fine to do that. We totally get it. And on Twitter, you know, on Instagram, people are going to have their opinions and that's fine. What he got upset about and what he was very candid about was the openness towards public perceptions that people basically do to incriminate these players and go out and say you're a bad guy and I think the ultimate test of this and this is my opinion this wasn't in the interview is LeBron James LeBron James is hated by a lot of people on He's the never outside done anything wrong. and see that's how I feel the Taco Tuesday thing and trying to trademark that that's dumb good and effort. it's silly good effort. yeah it's silly it's dumb it's whatever him dunking at his son's basketball game it's dumb it's silly he definitely does things that kind of you know rattle the cages of people him constantly on the court bitching and moaning for fouls but you know what Jordan did that Kobe did that a lot of the greats did that he's not the only one I get that he's annoying but, I mean, the guy's done nothing but incredible things. I mean, he went back to Cleveland. He always kept his roots there, even in Akron, when people hated him for the decision and going to Miami. He built a goddamn school. He's paid for countless college educations. He's been in- incredible as the face of the NBA as far as talking about, you know, politics and world issues and things that we need to address. And he's very smart. He's, he puts himself in tremendous, you know, position to be, to be prominent and respected and people hate him for no reason other than he's just annoying uh, either on the court or with little things that he does off the court. Everybody's the thing is, I don't even find him annoying. I just think that when you're you're not going to be loved by all. It, very few and far between when you're that famous are you loved by all. But don't you think that there's a fine line between it's like, eh, I don't care for his act, and then hating him? Mm-hmm. Like People hate. People talk about LeBron James as if he's Tyreek Hill yeah. at times. And we talk about it more in the NFL because it's really only prominent in the NFL. Occasionally happens in baseball. It seems like it never happens well, in the Well, I have NBA. to give us kudos because, you know, we talked about the Antonio Brown thing saying it was funny. Of course, what led, what followed up wasn't. But then, you know, I have to give myself, the CEO, and you kudos to where we can put things in perspective and be like, yeah, this is stupid, but there's a lot worse things going on. And in that's this world. exactly right. And I think people are way too reckless with that. And, and, whether they're on the air or whether they're just talking and conversing, like these guys are human beings. They have, they are not just, you know, circus animals for our enjoyment. 
They are they are forward thinking. They have like Kyrie Irving. He was villainized in Boston. And listen, he wasn't the best of teammates. I don't think that was all his fault. He was a dick. Yeah, face he didn't help. But Marcus, I mean Marcus Morris, is not known as a as the best kind of guy. That seemed like it was a situation that just didn't work out. And Kyrie definitely had a lot to do with it. But people talk about him as if he's the most toxic teammate of all time. Uh, that's not necessarily true. No. And if you re- I know you're defending your boy here. No, not even. It's just future Brooklyn it, Net. It, well, he is a current Brooklyn Net. Actually, season but, out. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, he's under contract, so that's current. But all right, sorry. Yeah. But no, I'm not defending him because of that. It's really just that's what people look at. You're like, wow, Kyrie, what a terrible, venomous person. And it's like, listen, the flat Earth shit, really fucking weird. But maybe he's just trolling. Who knows? I said I believe in aliens. Yeah. I said it on this podcast. Yeah, there you go. I, I mean, he was talking about the Earth is flat. Well, I mean, he talked about aliens thing. at some yeah. point too. I think these I don't g- think the Earth's flat. I've no. seen the. Well, pictures. that's good. That's good to know. But uh, I've seen the pictures. So. Have you seen a globe too? I have seen a globe. Okay, that's encouraging. But anyway, just to wrap this up, I think I think Durant made a lot of very good points. I'm looking for one of those globes, actually, that um you can pull the top off and it turns into a bar. Oh, I have one at home. It's you fucking do? dope, yeah. Oh, well, if anybody's got one and they're for sale, I don't know if you're selling it. No, um, no, 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 no. Are you kidding dollar. me? That's it. That's a that's, that's a that, money. That's money. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, it's it's sick. Um, But no, just to wrap it up, I... Uh, I totally get where he's coming from. You can have your opinions on him if you want, but I think he was very insightful in this interview. And it was cool to hear just him really open up about Oklahoma City and Golden State and just the entirety of the NBA and what he's trying to get out of it. I think it's a pretty cool thing. So just to wrap up, before we go on to if there's any pop culture news you want to hit us with. For the record that we're talking about college football right now, stayed away. You stayed away this week. Mm -hmm. You didn't touch it. You didn't watch any games. No, I napped off a uh, a bender on Friday. Night. There you go. Well, I'll be happy to let you know you didn't miss anything. This was not a very good slate of games. The only thing that happened that uh, of really that's worth note is uh, Florida, ranked number nine in the country. They survived they a tough game at Kentucky. They lost Felipe Franks for the season and a gruesome foot injury. Um, he dislocated his ankle. Right? Yeah, it was really bad. Um, you know, that I didn't watch that Karis one. Levert and I've seen it all before. And yeah, I don't need to watch. No, it. you don't need to watch it. And as a college athlete, I think the best thing that uh, Steve Levy was doing the game that night, and the best thing he did was like, "We're not showing this." You know, he's being carted off, and um, very sad to see for him. So that's obviously, you know, Florida survived the game. They're ranked number nine in the country. We'll see how this goes the rest of the season because he was a guy who's been under fire during his career as not being all that great and not living up to some of the promise people believe that he had. Um, well, now he's out. He's not going to be able to to live that you know to its truest potential. It seemed like he was finally turning the page, putting together a really nice run, what should have been a good season. So we'll see what their backup does and how it impacts them going forward. A couple of matchups this week. That finally, we have some good We ones. have some good ones. Go. So, Pokes. It starts at noon this week, which I love. I love that Fox made its premier game of the week at noon because then you can go right to the three thirty games and the seven o'clock games. You and Mike are going to be cuddled, doesn't care. Huh? Oh, absolutely! It's going to be cute. Um, we've got Michigan ranked number eleven. Where's Mike on my Monday? I forgot football season started. Where the fuck are the Monday morning quarterbacks? You need to worry play? more about posting our picks. Number eleven, Michigan at number thirteen, Wisconsin. That's a really good game in the Big Ten with a lot of implications there or early in the season. And three other games 
of note, number eight, Auburn at number 17, A&M. A&M hung with Clemson a little bit last week. Got to be honest. I think I might bet on this game. I like Texas A&M at home. I want to see what that line's going to be. I didn't look at it. I'm sure it's out. Um, but Auburn, man, I mean, they won. They took that game against Oregon. They're undefeated. Texas A&M at home, ranked number 17. Uh, that's a big SEC game. First big one of the year. Your boys out in Oklahoma State. Here we go. They're at number 12, Texas. So Texas had a tough loss against LSU, but they're still alive. Um they're a really good team. If Oklahoma State, usually they're known for upsets at home, not uh, not on the road, but we'll see what can happen there. That's a game at least worth watching, I think, because they'll put up a lot of points in those classic Big 12 games. Look for Ellinger to make a statement if, if Texas wins. And the last game of the day. Texas A&M a four-point favorite against Auburn. No. Mm-hmm. They're a four-point favorite? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, that's that's interesting. So a lot of people, I guess, are wondering if Auburn's going to rise to the occasion as their first true road game. Auburn's left, over the last two to three years, Auburn's left a really bad taste in my mouth. Well, Stidham had a down year last year. They didn't play well. But two years ago, but I do like like Bo Nix. He had that very good performance against Oregon uh, on opening week. And uh, I know that was a neutral site game down in Dallas, but... Stidham, is he on the Patriots? Yeah, he's their backup. Wow. And he had a really good good. He had a really good preseason, too. I know he did. All right, and finally, the game of the day, in my opinion. Number seven, Notre Dame at number three, Georgia. So Georgia is the second-best team in the SEC uh, behind Alabama. Only one spot in the rankings behind Alabama. Notre Dame, this is a huge test for them. Ian Book threw six touchdown passes this past week. Who did he play? Uh, I can't remember. It was nobody that good. Yeah. They they lit, they lit up whoever they played. I bet you he has four picks in this game. It's going to be tough, man. Uh, Georgia's just damn good. In Athens on a Saturday night. Finally, we have a slate of games. Four, I'm looking for the line four here. Four top-tier games in the country on Saturday. Michigan's plus three against Wisconsin. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, they that had one a, makes more sense they didn't have a good one. game against Army. You know that firsthand. Wisconsin's <laughs> at home. Fuck off. Only yeah. two only two slots in the rankings behind Michigan. Oklahoma State plus five against Texas. That's a low line if you ask me. Ooh. Yeah, well, maybe they're thinking that Texas is, you know, vulnerable after losing at home to LSU a couple weeks back. What's the line? Guess the line. Notre Dame against Georgia. Georgia's a six-point favorite. Nope. Higher. Ten. Nope. Higher. Fourteen. Yep. Wow. Two touchdown favorite at home against Notre Dame. I guess they're not giving Notre Dame a lot of credit. Well, when you play the big boys, uh, I think that I think honestly Georgia might cover that spread. Well, you know what's interesting is last year, a lot of the Clemson players said that. Frenchie mentioned this. I know yeah, they had a tougher they had a tougher time against Notre Dame. So I'm not sure, man. Either way, this is the first real Saturday of games. These aren't makeup games. These aren't fraud games. You might actually, you know, throw capital on it. Maybe you, maybe you come back to us here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for these are good game. matchups. Yeah, the th- I just these aren't the fraud ones where you're trying to make something football. out of nothing. No, no, and I hate the first couple weeks of college football. I'll never bet on Michigan again. I'll never. So I you're can't not. T- so you're not touching that line. No, I'm not touching. Because that, that could ruin your day early. That's a noon game. It's no, over by I'm, three. You're out. I'm out on that game, and that'll I can't lead you believe, into another bender. I just, yeah, I can't believe that I picked them to go to the college football playoff. That team is mediocre at best. 
Honestly, man, you you can't argue with me. No. We do the same shit every year. No, I year. can't. I, every I, year, Harbaugh's got a new offense. I texted you when you were complaining about them in that game. I said, listen, I didn't expect that game to be that close, but I'm not a fan of Michigan. No, and no. 22 points was way too high. Yeah. All right, hit me with some pop culture. What are you watching? What are you seeing? What's going on? Uh, so I've been watching a few shows. I probably mentioned Succession. Um, I'm big into that show. Um the one of the main characters shit the bed in the show. It was pretty awesome. Um, following that, I watched the first episode, and I'm gonna try and keep up watching it. The Righteous Gemstones. That's um. Oh, that's the new uh, Danny McBride show, right? Hilarious. Yeah. It's so HBO? that guy is a genius. Yeah, yeah it's on HBO. Um, and Who plays then, the da- Oh, isn't that uh, John Goodman plays the father? Yeah, he's a big yeah. old burly dude. Yeah, John Goodman, Danny McBride, and then the kid from Workaholics, right? Is the mm-hmm. third generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. looked good. I got, I got to get it right. Excellent, excellent show. It's, it's hilarious. It's a light one. It'll, um, it'll, you know, in, the, in a tough world nowadays, in the tough climate that we're in, it'll lighten things up. I've, I'm just started watching a Bill Burr comedy special. I think it just came out as well. Pretty funny. He's talking about the. Um, uh, he's in England, so he's just going off. It's hilarious. Did you watch the newest Chappelle one? Of course. Okay, so I watched. We talked about this. It was hilarious. I hadn't seen it yet. Oh, I just to? I just watched it uh, this weekend. Thought it was real good. It oh. started off kind of slow though. Yeah, like I, I was expecting him to go right into it, but he made uh, he really there's nothing he doesn't touch. But I thought it was good. I just think that if you're gonna be sensitive and bitch about it, that you shouldn't be watching comedy. My opinion, especially his. I mean, he even said in the stand-up, "He's like, you knew what you were getting. You clicked on my face." Exactly. Yeah. And and if we can't be funny, then we've got nothing. Right. This world's coming to an end. But quick. needless to say, he's built up the equity. Yeah, yeah. I think I have too. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm you, working. You're no, you're no Dave Chappelle. You need to calm down. I could Some be ego on the CEO. I, of I'm, Sorry not, Sport. I'm never going to be Dave Chappelle, but I think I could be a comedian. Well, I'm glad you think that. Maybe, maybe you know, a couple quick three minute sets down at the uh, comedy cellar here and there. I'm working on a routine. Can't wait. All right, maybe you can uh, maybe you can workshop some of that in on here. Yeah, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Maybe but, that'll um, be our next sorry short. Tom's, yeah, absolutely. Tom's attempts at stand up comedy. We do still have to have your buddy. What's his name? Steve. Yeah, on I gotta here. get Steve on here. I want absolutely as well as Will and Phillips has been asking us. By the way, everyone, uh, Mike Phillips has another article about the Mets. The kid just can't give it up. Uh, back on uh, SorrySports.com, as well as I've been posting our picks so you guys can keep up with it instead of just hitting rewind on the. Uh, on the podcast or writing them down. So you can just check out sorrysports.com for all of that. And we will have to go on his pod at some point and talk about the season before the season is over. I'm, I'm speaking about NFL, by the way. Yeah, I'm in. And then, uh, yeah, so Steve, um, what will be good to get him on is maybe get him around NBA time because he, on he actually, just like me, is a legitimate net fan. And um, so you can talk about that. He's a diehard Yankee fan and then uh, also a big Ravens fan. Wow. So he, he's got a lot Let's going on now. He's excited about the Nets. He's got the Yanks going in the playoffs, and his uh, his Ravens look like the, one of the best teams in football. Well, let's just keep in mind, I, I don't know if he listens, but I'm going to splash a little cold water on him here. You've played the Miami Dolphins and the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, he knows. Okay. He actually, it was funny. He was like, yeah, I want to be excited, but uh, I don't know. We played two horrible. I was like, dude, your team's 2-0. and Yeah. My team's 0-2. And Bills are 2-0. and Yeah, we'll see what the Jets are, but it's like, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, don't worry. In the NFL, more than anything else, maybe other than college football, win is a win is a win. Absolutely. It doesn't matter who you play. Absolutely. So, so we'll get him on, maybe do a little NFL, do a little MLB. we got to have Will on as well. Shadow. Yeah, we got to talk to Will. His just absolutely gush over Dak Prescott. Oh, my God. So I, he texted me. I wish me, we had done it before the season. He texted me the other day. Oh, did he? And uh, 
was uh, about the uh, Alabama South Carolina game. He's like, "Don't beat my Gamecocks too bad today." So no <laughs> promises there, but uh, that what game. Was, what that, was the game? What that was game score? went as expected. I think it was forty-eight twenty-seven. Okay, not too bad. Couple touchdowns in, gar- in garbage time. Um, but uh, I texted him yesterday or today. I was like, "You got to be feeling about pretty good about Dak," and he's just like, you know, he's gotcha. he's all in. He's all in. Yeah, he can talk himself. And, but, into and you know what? Again, I'll say. You got to play the Giants and the Redskins secondaries. Same thing. But yep. can't take anything away. He looked very good. But we'll talk about that Wednesday. Not, not at now. all. And um, tonight the Jets are playing as we speak. You have an opportunity to go if the Jets uh, lose and don't cover. If the Browns cover, you have an opportunity to go three and one. And if the Jets cover, I have an opportunity to go three and one. So. So I just looked at Bleacher Report. The Bills or the Bills. The Browns are up three nothing. With 6.25 in the first, and apparently Odell made a, a great catch, one-handed right? catch back in New Jersey. All right, so we will be And remember, back. we made those picks before the Darnold news, but we are men of our word. I'm going to own it. We we owned it, and uh, we did not change our picks when the line moved. So Not at all. All right, folks, we will be back on Wednesday with a Wednesday NFL. Everybody enjoy your Tuesday. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. On Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Shoot us an email, sorry sports at yahoo.com. <clears throat> yeah, I had some chips before this, so there they're like caught in my throat. And as always, check out the website, greatest website in the world. That is a fact, not an opinion. Sorry sports.com. Have a great night, guys.